Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want to go back to Isaiah 37 and verse 20. Uh, I began a, a message last week called The Cause and Effect of Revival. The Cause and, def- and Effect of Revival. We must understand the times we're in. How many heard me? We must understand where we are, what God is doing, how we react to that, how we respond to this moving of God's Spirit at Calvary and beyond us. Now, I'm super excited. We're here. We're seeing what I believe are the beginning ripples of what could be a national awakening in this nation. We're hearing about what's happening. It's it, what happened at the Asbury uh, uh, Seminary there in Kentucky. And, and, and those those uh, uh, rocks and ripples are, are going across other places. I'm excited about that. Aren't you excited about that? Anytime I hear about God moving, I'm on board. I'm ready. I'm excited about what God is doing. Uh, somebody uh, said to me, well, Pastor, uh, I read somebody that was critical of that. You know, thank God I haven't read any of that. But I'll just say this. What do you say, Pastor, somebody's critical of revival? I will say this way. There are Pharisees in every generation. You can quote me on that. You can quote me on that. There are Pharisees in every generation. I'm excited about the move of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for what God is doing. So uh, Calvary, God's been telling us and speaking to us and, and getting us ready and saying, and, and that's really what these messages are about, understanding the cause and effect of revival. I, I pray that our faith goes to another level. How many are willing to say, God, raise my faith to another level? Raise my expectancy to another level. Come on, are you ready for this one? Cause my surrender to go to another level. I want to I wanna see love. I want to stay on that one for a moment. God, cause my surrender to go to another level. I want to pray something over us right now before I speak. There are two things I've been praying in my life and praying for all of us. You ready? I've been praying for this. I want you to get it. I've been praying this. God, give us ears to hear everything you are saying to us right now. I want you to make that individual. Will you do that? Take it as an individual. God, give me ears to hear. We're going to pray this together. Everything you're saying to me, that's important. Are you ready? But there's a second part that's very vital. I'm not only praying for me and for for all of us. Give me ears to hear what you're saying. I'm praying, give me the courage to do what you say. It's not just hearing, it's doing. How many are with me? Okay, so you're ready for this? These are risky prayers. Don't you love risky prayers? Oh, come on. When's the last time you had your boat rocked? When's the last time you had your foundation shaken by God? When's the last time we got past religion and said, God, I'm just ready for you to do something? That's kind of what God's doing. So I'm praying, God, give me ears to hear what you're saying. And God, give me the courage to do it. Are you ready? Come on, let's pray right now. Father, I pray beginning with me as a pastor of this church. God, I pray for every person listening to me, everyone online, everyone in this room. God, we are praying a prayer, a bold prayer. God, give us ears to hear everything the Holy Spirit is saying to us. God, I ask you to do that. Pray that. Say that right now. God, give me ears to hear what you are saying to me. And then, Lord, we're not through because we have to pray this. Lord, give us the courage to do Whatever you say. God, we ask you right now, give us the courage to do whatever you say. In Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees, say amen. 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 That's cool. All right. Now, Isaiah 37 and verse 
beginning of verse number 20. I shared with you last week, I, I really can't repeat. I've got some new things we need to study. But this setting uh, was during the reign in Jerusalem of King Hezekiah over Jerusalem, over Judah. And the northern kingdoms had already been invaded by the Assyrian king Sennacherib. He was bold and brass. He was blasphemous. He was an idol worshiper. He taunted and blasphemed the name of Almighty God. He sent his underling commander to bring a message of fear and intimidation against the city of Jerusalem and the small nation of Judah. And, and told them they had no hope. There no other gods had spared nations from him. And their God would not either. But Isaiah said, we're going to take this to God. We're going to pray before we give up. We're going to pray before we surrender. And this is where uh, this phrase comes from. So let's look at Isaiah 37 and verse number 20. This is what do they do in this time of national crisis. Someone say national crisis. I believe we're in a national crisis in America today. I believe we're at a tipping point. So we see verse 20. What do you do when there's a national crisis? Verse 20. Now, O Lord, our God. Deliver us from his hand so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Verse 21. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to the king Hezekiah. So the man of God sent a message to the king. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Are you with me? Because you have prayed. I want to say that again. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word the Lord has spoken against him. Do you know there are enemies that are harassing this nation, harassing your family, harassing you, that until you pray, they're not going to leave you alone. Until you pray, you might as well get used to it. But because you pray. Your enemies become the enemies of God. Your foes become the foes of God. It doesn't matter how big they are, how loud they are, how brass they are, who, who, who has the microphone. What matters is because you pray. Come on, say that. Somebody say it. Because you have prayed. This is what God says. This is the word the Lord has spoken against him. The virgin daughter of Zion. This is Israel. Despises and mocks you. The enemy had been mocking them. And now God says, hey, I'm going to step into such a way. We're going to mock you, you hater of God, you you perpetrator of evil, you wicked voice. We mock you against all your power. Come on, somebody see the, the boldness that comes. We, you virgin daughter of Zion despises and mocks you. The daughter of Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. So God has said this. That because you pray, he's going to do what no man could do. He's going to change things that no human organization could change. He's going to send enemies away that no political party could have sent away. God is working. Because you pray. My message is the cause and effect of revival. Because, cause, because you pray. What is the thing we can do that would cause the effect of revival in our life personally? In our lives, in our home. Whether you're a single parent or a single or a family. What can we do? What's the cause that will create the effect of revival? 
the, the, we, we're in a place. I want you to understand the times and discern where we are. I believe we're entering into this season the Bible prophesied in the last days where two very opposite things would be going on at the same time. And it seems counterintuitive for that to happen, but God said it would, and I believe we're there. The Bible says that in these days that, that we are moving into, as the spirit of Antichrist is raising its head and preparing for, for I believe, the revelation of the Antichrist following the rapture of the church, we are seeing the bold arrogance of evil and wickedness in our culture. The Bible says in these days there will be a great falling away. Even the church will fall for this. But then the Bible also says at the very same time there will be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so what we must begin to understand is that we will choose which party we'll be a part of. And you, you, you need to quit worrying about the Democrats and Republicans. And you better start deciding are you going to be of the falling away or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Are we going to choose? We are in those days where these opposite things are occurring. They're beginning to, to, to advance into our culture. And, and, and I believe what we're seeing is, is, is just the, the ripples of this outpouring beginning to happen. I believe here at Calvary, we are already entering into that. I believe God's going to do greater things. Someone say greater things. But I, I don't want our verbiage needs to change. We need to stop saying revival's coming and say it's happening. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening. And, and, and it will grow and be greater because we pray. How many heard what I just said? Because we pray. And so prayer must become the cause for us. Prayer must become the cause in your home, in your family, in your lifestyle. Prayer must become the cause if revival is going to be the effect. Now, I, I want us to, uh, I shared some things with you last week. I've got to go to uh, add some more. If you, did, you didn't hear the message last week, please do that. Please get that podcast. Please listen. Let's go to James chapter 5 and verse 16. I want you to keep your device open, keep your Bible open, and, and, and let's follow along. James chapter 5 and verse 16. And so we understand that it's because you pray that things shift because you pray enemies that looked insurmountable are, are being defeated. And so we need to ask ourselves, what kind of prayers are we praying? Are you with me? What kind of prayers are we praying? James chapter five and verse 16, we read this. Uh, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Wow, look how that begins. We always quote this last sentence of this verse. But in this season of awakening and revival that God desires to send if we pray, there's going to have to be some personal commitment in our lives to see God do everything he wants to do. In fact, the message I'm sharing, I shared last week and today, particularly today, I'm not, this isn't Revival 101. This is Revival 401. This isn't Sunday morning only Christianity. This is are we real stuff. Okay. Can I give you, are we real? Thank you. Thank you. So let's look at this. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. See, that? There, that that's critical. I'm going to come back to that in a few moments. We, we, we're to pray for each other. Why? So that we can be healed. And then look at this statement. The prayer of a righteous man, of a righteous woman, is powerful and effective. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Now listen to me. How many of you are born-again believers in the house? Let me see your hand. I didn't ask were you perfect. I asked were you born again. 
That means you've been washed by the blood of Jesus. We celebrated our testimony today. I want you to hear your pastor today. If you're a born-again believer, you stand before God Almighty as righteous. You're righteous. Tell the person next to you, you're righteous. You're righteous. You need to understand that title. You need to understand how God talks about you. You need to understand that you're in this verse. This isn't just for a few. He's not talking about one or two. This is the family of God. Are you with me? And the Bible says your prayers. Say my prayer. My prayer. The prayer of a righteous man or woman. This house is full of righteous men and women. Not because of who we are, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? Because we're standing, the Bible says, therefore with confidence... We can approach the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Come on. See, with confidence, not in ourselves, we must stop looking at ourselves. We must stop listening to the lies of the enemy and, and, and the past is the past and judging one another. And we must come with boldness and confidence to the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. This room is full of righteous men and women. And you need to know who you are in Christ. And because you're righteous, the Bible says your prayer is what? Powerful and effective. Come on, say powerful and effective. One translation says the effectual, fervent prayer. That's King James. I like old King Jim, don't you? He's still good. Come on, I still like his stuff. The, the, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That, come on, what does that say? That means when I pray fervently. And effectively, in other words, I'm praying the word of God. I'm praying under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying righteous before the Lord. My prayer becomes effective and my prayer is fervent. So how do we pray? We pray as the children of God. We pray with our eyes on the finished work of Jesus. We pray with a confidence that God is for us and not against us. We pray fervently. That doesn't mean the only time we pray is just before we go to sleep. Now lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord and soul to keep us. I should die before I wake. Pray the Lord and soul to take. It's not just praying over your meal. Good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's see. You know what we need to do? Instead of having these rote prayers, we need to know how to pray fervently. We need to know how to get in business with God. We need to know how to stand in the gap for our family and our nation and begin to pray effectual fervent, powerful prayer. We have to elevate the way we understand prayer. Prayer is not begging God to do something. It's aligning ourselves so God can do what he's already chosen to do. There may be some demons in hell that have been running your house. You need to rise up in your righteous position and begin to pray a fervent, effectual prayer and tell him, I'm going to pray until. Now, there's some of the old folks used to tell us, see, we threw a lot of things away in the church because we got too cool. We're all too cool now. We're just cool. We think we're so cool. We, we're, we're trying to please a culture that's trying to send us to hell. Somewhere we need to rise up in the church again and say, I don't care what you think of me, how you like me. If it looks good, sounds good, tastes good. If you don't understand it, you know, if you're going to come to church here, we, we want to build church nowadays in America. They say, oh, no, no, no. In church, everybody has to be comfortable and laugh, have a good time. Well, the night I got saved, I wasn't laughing and ro- I was convicted. I 
I was uncomfortable. I was ill at ease. My soul was troubled because I came to grips with the reality that I was a lost sinner going to hell. And there was a righteous God who loved me enough to send his son to die on the cross. And I was uncomfortable and I was convicted and I was ashamed of my life. Thank God I saw truth that night. So we're not here to make everybody happy. We're here to get everybody holy. (laughs) Get us into heaven. Get this thing to work. And so you need to begin to pray as a righteous man and woman. You need to elevate how God looks at your prayer. You need to understand that your prayer is powerful. And if you don't pray it, something's not going to happen. Because you pray. Let's say it. Because you pray. How do I pray? The effectual fervent prayer. The powerful and effective prayer. That's how you pray. Don't pass that off to somebody else. Don't, don't, don't wait for somebody else to come pray. You pray. You pray those prayers. All right. Let's go to second Kings 13, nine. Now this is one of my favorite. You, you, you've heard me talk about this one before. Second Kings 13, nine. Second Kings 13, nine. Here's, here's what I want you to see. That how I pray in private will determine how I win the wars in public. Did you hear what I just said? Second Kings 13. And verse 19, you know the setting, I've, I've shared this before. Here is uh, Jehoash, king of Israel. And he comes to Elisha, the man of God. And, and, and Elisha, and, and they're surrounded. They're, again, they're enemies. I want you to see all these settings of prayer. All these settings are in moments of national crisis. Where enemies are coming in trying to steal the soul of a nation. And, and rob people from the promises of God. And so uh, the king comes to the prophet. Do you notice that pattern? I, I mentioned that last week. I believe if we will become who we're supposed to become, if we will pray like we're supposed to pray, we're not going to have to worm and beg and plead and, and pay and bribe and, and, and it scratch somebody's back to get to talk to some politician. I believe the politicians are going to come to the men of God. You, you understand what I'm saying? We're going to reverse the protocol. Instead of, instead of the church begging a politician to give me an audience, the politician is going to come to the church and beg, give me an audience with the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so here's another king coming to another prophet. And he said, we've got trouble. And the king says, uh, get your arrows, sir. And I want you to strike the ground with your arrows. Okay? They're in a private time of prayer. All right? But look at verse number 19 here. So, uh, the man of God was angry. So, so I should have put verse 18 in. The king takes the arrows and he hit the ground three times. The king says, here's the arrows. In other words, the opportunity is in your hand. Are you with me, church? It, 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 because you prayed, am I going to do a little rote prayer? Am I going to do a little three prayer, three second on the go? Or am I going to pray? The arrows are in our hand. The opportunity is in our hand. The moment of, of, of awakening is in our hand. And so he says, King, here it is. You write the check. I give you a blank check. What do you want? How do you want to win? It's yours. Here's the arrows. Beat the ground. He did it three times. Verse 19. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram completely and destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Isn't that amazing? So how do I pray? What kind of prayer? The effectual fervent prayer. The powerful, effective prayer. Do I just give him uh, a little tip, a little nod, 
a little, you know, because I had to, or, or, or do I understand this moment? When God puts the arrows of prayer in our hand, and he says, they're yours, what are you going to do with them? It's amazing to me how often God, listen to me, gives the church the opportunity to set their own destiny. It's amazing to me how God puts within the hands of his people the destiny of their life. We love to talk about the sovereignty of God. And sometimes people, and I believe in that, but sometimes people use that as an excuse to be lazy. To say, well, whatever happens is going to happen. But what about when God says, if you sow this, you reap that? What about when God says, the arrows are in your hand, what are you going to do with those? See, what about when, when, when he says, because you prayed? What about these moments that are with us? And oftentimes we say, we're waiting on God when God may in effect be waiting on us to do what was within our ability to do at that moment. And so private prayer affects public warfare. The battles we win in public are based upon the prayers that we prayed in private. How many with me in that? Let's go and see what Jesus had to say about the cause and effect of revival. Mark 9, verses 28 and 29. Turn there with me. Mark 9. Everybody with me today? Thank you. Mark 9, verse 28 and 29. All right. Now, I want to read from the New King James Version because uh, there's a critical statement left out of some other translations. All right, let's go to Mark 9, verse 28. Now, you remember the occasion... Is that Jesus had just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John had been there with them. And while they're there in this encounter with God, and, 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 and the disciples saw Jesus transfigured, speaking with Moses and Elijah there, down at the foot of the mountain, the rest of the disciples were struggling to cast a demon out of a boy and were not successful. Now, you have to remember, this is after the moment, the occasion. When Jesus had already, remember, authorized his disciples to go out two by two and preach. And they cast out demons. And they preached the kingdom of God. And they anointed people with oil to heal the sick. You remember, that had already happened. So now they're in a situation, after they've already seen that done and, and already had success in casting out demons, that they can't make it work here. And so, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately. He had to come cast the demon out. And, and everybody was watching. His disciples said, what we can't say. said, what happened? Why couldn't we do it this time? Why could we not cast this demon out? Okay. Verse 29. This is what Jesus said to them. This kind. Someone say this kind. Evidently, there are different kinds of demons. Everybody hear what I just said? This kind. This was a different kind. This was a different level. And he said, this kind. Can come out by. You see that word? Jesus never mixed his words. This kind. Can come out. By nothing. But prayer. And fasting. So leave that up. Don't let that go away. I want that to visually reinforce what I'm saying here. So in other words. Because we pray. The cause and effect of revival. These words. Nothing. Nothing. Except by prayer and fasting because there's this kind of demon present. I want you to understand where we are. Let let, let me say, uh, it's interesting, these words here, uh, this kind can come out by nothing 
but prayer and fasting. The words here for prayer in, in, in the, the Greek language, the original language of this passage, are these kind of words. By It talks about a place of prayer. This kind does not come out except by prayer that has a place. Prayer that's been established. Prayer that was done in private before the moment. Are you with me? When, when he said, but by prayer, they heard these words. This kind doesn't come out unless you have a place you've been praying. Unless you have a prayer life. Are you with me? Unless you've been praying before you got to the moment. When Jesus came down off the mountain, he didn't have to call another prayer meeting. He had already been praying. He'd been getting up early before dawn, right? He'd been going out into solitary places. He had been praying all night. Jesus had a prayer life where there were places and he was prepared before the moment because there were this kind of demons that needed to be encountered. This is the kind of prayer. So, so church family, I want you to, I, I want us to get this. I want us to understand this. I want us to recognize this. If we're going to deal with the demons, it may make you uncomfortable to talk about demons. I'm sorry. We, we're dealing with demons. We're dealing with demonic activity in our culture today. We're dealing with demons. We're dealing with hell. We're dealing with the spirit, the demon, the spirit of Antichrist. And if these kind of demons are going to be cast out, if the kind of demons that are manifesting themselves in our nation today, that are attacking your children, that are taking over our institutions, if those kind of demons... How many of you have said in the last few months... I've never seen anything like that before. You know what you're saying? I've never seen this kind of demon before. I've never seen this kind of demon. I've never seen the boldness, evil, wicked, perverse demons that are mutilating the bodies of our children before they're emotionally able to even make a decision about who they are. These kind of perverse demons that are going behind the backs of parents and usurping your authority in the life of your child that are that are plying the social media platforms and let me tell you something i'm not an old crank up here preaching to the choir about about social media listen to me the problem the, the, this is this is how you're going to win this thing if you really want to win it now, there's some. you better monitor what your children are doing. Let me say something, Bo. If you buy your child a phone and you don't monitor what they're doing, shame on you. Shame on you. I'll say it. Shame on you. If you put in their hand the ability for demons to talk to them and you're not remotely telling them what's going on, shame on you. But listen to me. I'm not done yet. I'm not saying the answer is less social media. I'm saying the answer is more of Jesus Christ. See, we keep playing the wrong song. It's not, you better monitor their stuff. You, if you care, you better monitor their stuff. And if you're not going to monitor it, then you need to take it back. And, and they're not going to like you and you need to decide. You want them to like you an hour later. You just grow up, be the parent. You're the parent. They're the child. Somebody needs to grow up in this, this generation. Now, I know you didn't ask for that, but you got it. So here's, here's what I'm telling you. 
The answer is not, well, just no social media. The answer is more of Jesus Christ. The answer is that if I'm full enough with him, I won't need to eat at that table. The answer is if our boys and girls are being born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit and on fire for Jesus and love him, then you're, that's where you're going to stop this thing. So I want to tell you there are demons we've never seen before. There are this kind of demons that aren't going to go away unless there's a church that knows how to pray and fast and cast them out in Jesus' name. You've got to understand what was happening. What were those demons doing? Remember, they were throwing a child into the fire. I am tired on my watch of the devil throwing a generation around and abusing our children and our students. I'm tired of the confusion. I'm tired of schools who talk about, my God, putting a litter box in a restroom. I'm tired of teachers that don't know how to teach anymore. I'm tired of places that are are robbing you as a parent of your authority but I'm not mad at them I'm tired of it but I'm not so upset listen to me and intimidated by sinners sinning what I'm concerned about is churches not praying that's what's going to shift this thing in another direction we've got to come to ourselves and decide are we going to pray the kind of prayers that will cast this kind out or are we going to say, what can I do? Oh, you can do something. What can be done? Or are we going to let the politicians try to do it? Or are we going to let the naysayers try to do it? Or are we going to give up and be intimidated? You know why we don't understand this? Some of you know more about the Kardashians than you do about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of you know about everybody on social media. You follow that trash and you know about everybody and what they're doing. And you don't know how to quote John 3.16. So there's no wonder we don't know how to raise the family, cast out demons, and pray until. See, I told you about the old folks. They had a term. It's called praying through. What does it mean praying through? It means you pray till it's done. It means you pray till you can cast the demon out. You can't cast him out. You go back and pray till you can cast that demon out. That demon needs to know your name. We got to get over here in Acts where those seven sons of the Jewish priest tried to cast the demons out and he beat them naked and they ran out of the house. First recording of streakers in the Bible. But the God's boys walked in. He said, I, I like it. I like what he said. He's, that demon said, Jesus we know. Paul we know. I don't know who you are. I'm going to put a beating on that boy. I want to walk in the house and the demon say, dear God. I want you to start praying for your family. And they said, those demons, you know, like you do in church. You look up and the demon's got his finger up. I'm leaving. I'm going to the bathroom right now. They're about to kick me out. About to push me around. I know I'm a little radical today, but somebody has to make this thing happen. Somebody's got to. Now, if you thought that was rough, you go, hold on. Just go ahead and get your seat right now. Because I'm about to take it to level 10. Are you ready? Do, do, you, do you really want this or not? Are, are you sure? Okay. Are you sure? Are you, you, you said yes. Go to James 3. Go to James 3. See, I love this young generation. I love the kids. I love the Gen Zs and the Gen, Gen X and the Ys and the Millennials. I love those guys. I believe that's where this awakening is going to stir and happen. And I love these guys enough to stand for them, pray for them. I want to have enough anointing in my life to cast those demons off of them. Don't you believe that? Man, that's what I want to see. 
But I want to tell you something. We, we have to understand the effectual, powerful, effective impact of prayer and what it can do. But as a church, church, come on. We, it, 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 our problem's not sinner sinning. It's the church not praying. That's our issue. That's where we have to do. We have to be who we can be. Now, I want, I want you to see something. This is, this is very important because I really believe the Holy Spirit took me through these last two weeks and showed this to me. And I have to share it with you. There, there are people praying for revival. Listen to me closely. But because something's out of order in your life, your prayer for revival has become ineffective. Do you know you can be praying for revival and they make no impact with that prayer? Unless you understand what I'm about to share with you today. We need to understand this, okay? So look at James chapter 3 and verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That verse humbles me every time I read that. Verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Now watch this. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able to keep his whole body in check. So we're going to talk about our words. Verse 3, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts your tongue, corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire the wrong way. And is itself, are are you reading this with me? Set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. Only God. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Stay with me. (laughs) With the tongue we pray. Now here's the deal. Watch this. this. This is where I had to get you. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Now, he's not talking about four-letter words. When he says cursing, he's talking about the opposite of a blessing. That you're releasing words on people that is breaking and hindering and limiting their life. You're doing the opposite of a blessing. You're speaking a curse on them. Are you with me? My brothers, this should not be. Now watch this. Can both fresh water and salt water, bitter water, flow? He's asking you a question. He says, can that work? Can you really bless and curse fresh and bitter out of the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Watch. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. It's what he says. Are you with me? If I am speaking curses on people, if I'm being judgmental and critical, if my words are bringing people down, 
If I'm speaking against what God would have me say and against the order of God, are you with me? He says, you just read it, I might be praying the biggest revival prayers I can pray. Now, listen to me. And he said, those other words negate your prayer. It absolutely nullified it. Because the last thing he says is that neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So if that bitter word, judgmental, critical, disunified language coming out of your mouth, you are not speaking any blessing. It's a salt spring. We may think in our mind, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm praying for revival. And we turn around and speak the things we shouldn't. You nullified the prayer revival in your life. So could it be that the devil knows that when we pray powerful, effective prayers, hell has to back up? These kind of demons have to flee. And so the only hope he has, because he's not greater than the name of Jesus, he's not greater than the blood of Jesus, he's not greater than the power of effective prayer of the people of God, so he comes through the back door and nullifies the prayers of revival because we don't know how to order our words on the other situation. So the question is, how bad do we want a revival? Do we want a revival enough to shut our mouth when we need to shut our mouth and pray when we need to pray? Come on, don't shout me down right now. I got one more. Ephesians 4 verse 29. Come on, I got to get there. Oh Lord. Ephesians 4 29. Come on, come on, come on. I got to get you there. Look at this. Ephesians 4 29. Pastor, why are you doing this? Because I believe God wants to send a revival. (laughs) And I want to pay the price to get there. I don't want to just pray my prayers and because I can't discipline my mouth, I've nullified all my prayers. I don't want to pray and fast and expect these kind of demons to go and they don't go because I couldn't close my mouth over here. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Watch this. I want you to see this. The context of this. Watch this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Are you reading the word? Watch. Look at this. Building others up according to their need. So what happens when I see a person that's in need, that's weak, that's not making it? I'm supposed to build them up. I'm not supposed to let unwholesome words come out of my mouth. That it may benefit those who listen to you talk about them. Now you're ready for this? Look at this connection. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do you understand? That unwholesome talk literally grieves the Holy Spirit. Grieves him. Quenches him. Pushes him away. And as God began to speak to me about this and show me this, it was pretty overwhelming. Because I began to see the strategy of the enemy. He can't be stronger than God. He can't overcome the effective, powerful prayer of the church. But he can nullify our prayers. By the words we talk and say. We've got to understand this guy. I didn't put this in, but he, uh, Galatians 6, I don't, these scriptures aren't, I didn't give them, but I want to share. It says, when a brother's overtaken in a fault, are you with me? You that are, oh, who's spiritual in the church? You that are spiritual, restore him. And consider yourself. Lest you likewise fall in. So let me tell you who's spiritual at Calvary. It's not the gospel. It's not the judgmental. It's not the critical. The spiritual are those 
who are restoring somebody who's struggling. The spiritual are those who will not allow their words to contradict their prayers. They're being lifted for revival. So we have to ask ourselves, how much do I want a revival? What am I willing to do? Can I tell you, revival costs something. Revivals are expensive. Some flesh gets burned up. (laughs) Some patterns have to go away. I know you want me to do something else right now, but I want to get us to this revival. I want to close with this. We don't have time to turn to the passage. It's quite lengthy. But I want to encourage you because there's an outpouring happening now. And I didn't say this just since Asbury. We've been talking this. You know that. We've been setting, God's been setting us up. We've been moving in this direction. We're doing right what we need to do. I just want to make sure we, we're, we're staying there. Here's what I want to end. We're, we're, if you, you read this sometimes, the account of 1 Kings 18. The nation of Israel had, had completely become apostate, fallen away from God. So Elijah says, here, here, here's what I'm going to do. He says, I, I'm going to uh, challenge your ungodly demonic priest. 450 of one kind and 400 of the other. 850 of these demon idol priests that God's people were following. Are you ready? He says, come on out. Let's meet up. Man, I love the boldness of God's people, don't you? Come on. He says, come on. We're going to decide today who's God. He says, so we're going to, we're going to pray and we're going to call fire from heaven down. And whoever answers by fire, he's God. And the people said, okay. I don't, I don't think they thought anything would happen. They said, okay. They all came out and gathered. So the prophets of Baal and the other prophets, all day long, they prayed, they prayed. Then they got desperate, and they, so they started cutting themselves. Think about that parallel to today. So they began to cut themselves. They began to call. They began to scream. And Elijah, I don't know that I suggest this unless you're Elijah, but Elijah starts making fun of him. said, oh, maybe he went to the restroom. Or maybe you need to shout a little louder. Maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe your God's there, but he's just not going to show today. Who knows? And it says that all this false religious activity had literally broken down. The altar was broken down. The prayer life had stopped. And the first thing Elijah did was rebuild the altar because you prayed. Because you prayed. And he let them go all day long. They're ranting and all the things they were doing. But I want you to see something. And I just believe if we'll pray that America might be on that same path right now. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, see, Elijah had to wait. Elijah had to wait until they had done everything they could do. Until they had exhausted everything they thought was going to work. Until all their foolish plans and ungodly mechanisms were over. And when they had done everything they knew to do. And their God hadn't answered. Are you with me? When they had done everything they could do. And they had reached the point of self-destruction. When there was no other hope in what they had put their hope in. When no demons could answer their prayers. When their misery became so great. When the devil had had his shot. Then the man of God stepped up, prayed about four lines, and the fire of heaven fell down on that altar. And it just may be, if we hang in here, come on, listen to your pastor, that we're in that season where there is a falling away and an apostasy and the spirit of Antichrist raising his head. But I'm going to say to you, church, take heart right now.
Be encouraged right now because we serve the God of the fire. We serve the God of the altar. And it just may be that some of you have gotten weary and about to give up and say, it doesn't look like it's getting any better. Don't you worry. We serve the God of fire. And it may just be the devil in America is going to have to run his thing so far that his own people start killing themselves, that his own minions start destroying themselves, that the all the things he has perpetrated, that people People finally begin to say, you know, I'm not even a Christian. I don't even believe in God or in the Bible. But this has turned into abject foolishness. And maybe when the devil has run his deal, the church will have already been praying. It's too late to call a prayer meeting there. But when our moment comes. We have been in prayer. We have been praying righteous prayers, effective prayer. We have positioned ourselves in prayer. And we step up in the moment of the void of an aching, hurting, broken nation. And say, oh God, the God of gods, answer by fire. And revival falls down on this nation. We must be praying before that moment for God to do it. Come on, stand with me right now. I want our worship team to come. Church family. God is moving right now. Do you hear your pastor? And God is ready. And, and, and I know I'm bringing strong medicine, but you know, strong medicine cures strong diseases. <laughs> you know, the word of God will break through the things of the enemy. And I believe that God is calling his people to a place of prayer. I believe God is wanting us to lay out before him like Hezekiah the king did and say, God, these are the attacks of the enemy. We bring them before you and we're going to pray to you, oh God. And God says, because you pray, because you pray, I'm going to change and shift this thing around because you pray. I believe in this moment that God's stirring us. He's stirring us. He's stirring me. I'm trying to be very careful about the words I say about anybody, any place, any time. Because I'm praying a lot of revival prayers. And I don't want my prayers wasted. I'm praying prayers in private. I'm praying prayers before the moment. I'm praying because when I encounter a demon of this kind, I want to be able to rebuke that off of this generation. I want to be able to say, you get up and leave them alone right now. I don't want the church to run from the enemy. I want us to stand up to this enemy because we've been in prayer, because we're walking in this knowledge that the hand of God is on us. God wants to do that. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us.